Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're completing our series on Better Together, and we're looking at, the passage today we're going to be looking at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. As we come into the holiday season, you know, one of the things that I love about the holidays is it's a wonderful time to be together. It's a time that you gather your friends. It's a time you gather your family. Uh, one of our favorite traditions that, that we do is the day after Thanksgiving we go, and we always cut down a Christmas tree. So nothing, uh, and, uh, and Ste- Stephanie is just, I mean, she is just Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. She's got it going. I actually have to do a little bit of restraint. And, you know, I've got a how, how many of you think it's, it's, a, it's a good rule just to say no Christmas music till Thanksgiving? Is there anybody with me on that, you know? I, we know we are now a minority group, you know, uh, in the in the nation that we live. <laughs> but but uh, I'm looking forward to it, so I'm trying to uh, to be restrained that way. But I, we love coming together, and, and again, it's a reflection of who we are. We were made to be together. I love that when God made Adam, He looked at him, and He said, "It is not good for you to be alone. <laughs> it is you need." You need someone. We need to be together. And so we're looking at this, at this today. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 20. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged for the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So very quickly today, because we are going to have some fun decorating this place, getting it ready for Christmas, and having one of of my favorite food groups, pizza later, that we invite all of you to be a part of. But as we come together, we're going to look at three things. And three things I want to pull out of this passage today is, first of all, we are all equal. Everyone's equal. Secondly, though, what we see in this is that we are also different. We are all different. We are all different. And in that, the amazing thing in that is that though we're all equal, yet we're all different, we work best Together, together. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we're going to look at this first one. First of all, we need to understand that we are all equal. And all these statements, those statements I just made are, are true. It is true that we are all equal. It is equally true that we are all different. And it is equally true that we all work best together. And these statements, they're all true, but they seem to be in opposition with each, each other, especially at a time when, when tribalism is on the rampage, meaning that we're trying to get all the same people in all the same boxes and just get them together, that you've got to have, a, have everything the same and you're over here. And if you believe one of these things and you believe all of those things, is anybody frustrated by that? 
You know, you know, we can, you can be my brother and my sister, and we can come together in community, even if you don't like the Kraken, okay? We're still friends in Christ. We're all still there. We don't need to, we don't need to, uh, to, to be put in boxes like that. God doesn't put us in boxes like that, does he? He doesn't do that. We are all, we, we have all these, this variety of gifts, and I think this is the wonder of God coming together. Every human being is created in the image of God. This is where we see that. This is where we see that aspect, that the reason why we are all equal is because we are all made in the image of God. I mean, just look around this room this morning. So many different ages. So many uh, different representations of the body of Christ. Nations, every tribe coming together. We were made in the image of God. Wherever you see a human in this world, and they're making more and more every day, You just got that, yeah. Okay. So wherever you see a human, you see the image of God. The image of God. And this is central. This is core to who we are. Because what this means is that every person from conception, that's the, be- the very beginning of life, from conception to the very last breath, we celebrate and we recognize they're all made in the image of God. This is why, as a ministry, we support ministries like Pregnancy Resource Center, because we value the beginning of life, but we also value the moms and the dads that need help to come along and need that. That's why we have children's ministries. That's why we have youth and student ministries. That's why we have young adults ministries. That's why we have parent and teens group. That's why we have senior ministries. Everything, and we support ministries that do that well in the culture that we're in, because we value all of life, all of life, from conception to the very last breath. And our prayer is that people would connect with God and that they would find that reality of eternity with him, the way that we were made. Every human is equal. Men and women, we are equal. We are equal. I have friends that say Stephanie's better than me, but we're really equal, aren't we? So walking in... You know, we were made equal. And I love what Peter said. You know, Peter, talking to the men, he, he, he reminded them that their, their wives are an equal partner in God's gift of new life. And here's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 7. He said, treat her as you should so your prayers won't be hindered. Treat her as you should. Men and women, we are made equal. The Bible also shows us that rich and poor are made equal. Sometimes we'll set up these different socioeconomic class, but it's important to recognize that rich and poor are all equal in God's sight. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7 says this. It says, the Lord makes some poor, and he makes some others rich. Sometimes we would like to get to choose and do something in that area, but rich and poor are all equal. And I think it's important to recognize that as we look through the Bible, we see great examples of great men and women of God who were both both poor as well as rich. This was not a sign of being closer to God, whether you were poor, because we can say, well, man, they're very wealthy. They must, God must be favoring them, and it's there. Or they've taken a vow of poverty, so they must be really dedicated to God. What we see in scriptures is we see both, that the fact of whether you have, have a lot of money or little money is not a direct indicator that you are walking with God. Do you, you get what I'm saying, saying today? That you can do both. And as a matter of fact, there were great leaders throughout the Bible. David, even the apple of God's eye, there was times he was in a position of power, position of wealth. There was times he was hiding in a cave, and he was very, very poor. And in those situations, as he was walking through, they were not direct indicators of what it were, because rich and poor 
are all equal in God. I think it's important for us to outline the homeless as we walk through it, as we walk through this week of Thanksgiving, to recognize that homelessness is, uh, they are equal before the Lord. I love what it says in Isaiah 58, 7. It says to share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. How many of you have been guilty of hiding from some relatives at times, okay? <laughs> it says don't, don't hide from them that we're to help. This is, and again, this is why we as a ministry, because we view everyone as being equal, being made in the image of God. We support ministries like community dinners. That's why we're doing our compassion project. That's why we support Union Gospel Mission downtown. That's why we support Bread of Life Mission and so many others. Well, at the same time, there's a season that we offer class is like Financial Peace University because we're required to be stewards of what we have been given, you know, and that's why we're engaging. So all of this, but it's important to recognize again that it does not signify because sometimes I think the condition of sin is we often try to position ourselves better, you know, well, I'm better than that person or I'm better than that person. And the beauty of the cross and the gospel is it is the great leveler. We are all equal, all, A-L-L, okay? We're all there. And the Bible also shows us that every culture is equal. Some of you may look down on me because I'm Canadian, but we're, we're really equal, you know? We don't celebrate Thanksgiving the way Americans do. No one does. But I mean, it's, and I love it. I'll never forget the first time I had pecan pie. Never heard of it, you know? Never heard of it in my life. This was pre-internet days. Well, the internet was there, but we, we didn't have access to it, okay? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's there, but we are all equal, every culture. I love the picture that... It has in Re- Revelation, the Revelation picture, right, where it says every nation from all tribes, all people, all languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Leviticus 19 is very clear. It tells us that we are to, um, that we are to love foreigners, love foreigners. It's our responsibility. It's so important to welcome people in cultures that may be different from your own. So important, in fact, that Hebrews 13 says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers because for some of, of those you, you've done that, you've entertained angels without realizing it. Have you ever thought about that as you entertain a stranger? And we hear accounts like this pretty frequently that the Bible says that oftentimes when we're entertaining strangers, you may be entertaining an angel unknown. This is our responsibility. Some of the biggest challenges that we have as a culture, some of the biggest challenges that we have as a nation, some of the biggest challenges that we have is when we ignore this one thing, that we ignore everyone. You know, I love, I saw this beautiful, beautiful video of, uh, of uh, the church that I came from back in, 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 in Virginia, how they are kickstarting a special needs ministry within their church. Why? Because everyone is equal. Everyone is equal, made in the image of God. Whether I can use my legs or I can't use my legs. Whether I can speak well or I can't speak well. I go back and forth on that personally. Whatever that may mean, we are all equal, all equal. And I love that. We have so many people here that you engage in ministries. So there's, so, there's several here that you've dedicated your life to reach those that are at the margins, those that often seem invisible. That was one of, one, one of the things that Pastor Michael's mom talked about is it's, it's a ministry to those who are often invisible in our culture, those that have special needs. Or I love what, what one person said, differently abled. Isn't that beautiful? Because we are all equal. Secondly, we are all different. 
we are all different. And you may be like, well, duh. We're, yes, we, we are all very, very different. But, and, and, what, and to do this, Paul, he uses the analogy of the body to show how we are all equal, all the same, but at the same time, we're very different. You know, both of these truths, they coexist with one another, that we're equal, but we're different. And he says that the body consists of many different parts, right? There's a, pot, there's a parts that we see, right? Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, head, shoulders, knees and toes, and what else? Eyes and ears and mouth and nose. You don't know that song, so we'll move on. You know, the body consists of 78 organs and over 206 bones, just to mention a few. All of these are unseen by all of us. And I think one of the challenges in this is that even though that they are all different, they all perform a function. And you know how important they are when they stop working. Right? I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget um, small town pastor uh, back home. His son was mowing the lawn. And it was, it was one of those old lawnmowers. Lawnmowers have really developed a lot, you know. But he was doing one of those things, and inadvertently, it flipped over, and he lost his big toe. And now, my thought as a kid was like, well, big deal, you lost your big toe, you know. How important is that? It's in a shoe, and it's not there. But what I didn't realize is that this student, who was once running down the street and taking off, all of a sudden, because he lost... His big toe, it's called, it's called a big toe, but it's only that big. It was gone. He couldn't walk anymore. He could no longer walk. And all of us as kids, we were just dumbfounded. What, what do you mean he can't walk? Can he get up? He had to relearn how to walk. He had to relearn how to go through because something so insignificant that you only thought of when you stubbed it, that's now it's gone. It totally shut down his freedom. It shut down everything around that he had to know how to do that. See, that's, that's why Paul said, he said, that all are vital, all are equal, but they're vital to our lives. That if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, or because I'm an ear, I don't belong to the body. He's saying we need all of this. We all have these roles that we're very different, but we need all of them to come together. And I think sometimes we come to the body of Christ, and we see certain gifts kind of amplified, or certain gifts that they seem to come to the forefront, and we go, is there a role for me? And my response to that is, yes, there is. Whatever your response, and if you're with here a few weeks ago, we talked about that I'm praying that this entrepreneurial spirit would wake up within the church because are we doing everything that God has called us to do? No, we, we are not. There are so many gifts. We're, 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 we've been talking more and more and more, and even now with the coffee house, you're going to hear us talk more and more about that, but we're getting ready to get the permits ready to bring to the city so that we can start the remodel, that we can start opening it up to where now we have a third place location next to us, part of us, but separate, where the community can feel comfortable coming together, where we can build ministries, and we can run ministries out of that for at night for people that have baggage against the church, because this, to some people, this is a very scary place. Not to me, I grew up in it, but to some people, they've had some hurts here, but they're they're willing to meet us in a coffee house. I've experienced that firsthand. I've led people to Christ in coffee houses. And, but that's just one thing we want to do. There are so many things, but it's dependent on the Lord is speaking and the Lord is using us, but he's calling for us the gifts of this congregation to say, are you willing to take the gift that I've given you and recognize I gave it to you? If you're an artist, I want you to create art for me. If you're a business person, I want you to do business for me. Whatever it may be, God is using that for his glory and his purpose, but he needs to come alive and not be like, well, just because I can't sing or just because I can't play piano, there's no space for me. There is a space for you. We're creating space for you, but it requires that level of surrender 
surrender to where we recognize we're all equal and we're saying, I have a gift, there's an ability, and as I dedicate that to God, I will see it move forward and our community will change. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we're here. I mean, look back, when you, when you look back to the pre-broke and the broke times, you see the greatest manifestations of art within the body of Christ, within the church. Were there problems? Yes, there were problems. But you saw people saying that I was given this gift for God to be used for God. And even now, hundreds of years later, we see that we walk through and we see that this, this, this glorification of God through the art. Whatever your talent is. Whatever your talent is. My mom, she cleaned hospitals for a living. She was part of the cleaning staff at a hospital, often invisible to those around her. Do you know how God used her in powerful ways in conversations by coming in and cleaning up after somebody and just sharing and just praying for them? Whatever your gift is, whatever it is, you use it for God. There aren't better gifts than lower gifts. They're just gifts. And God's saying I'm, that he's sending us out to every segment. That wasn't in my notes. This is it's in my heart. We need to come alive to that, and we need, we need to recognize that. We need to appreciate that. See, it's our diversity of the body that makes us stronger. If everyone had the same gift, do you know that if you, put, put the same, if you took a team and you just put the same personality on that team, that team is probably not going to be around a year from now, <laughs> Right? If you put all the artists on the team and, and you didn't have accounting and bookkeeper going on, Eventually, they're going to run out of money. You know, if, if, but, and if it's just all accounting going on, that, yeah, at, at the end, the, the, the books may balance, but where's the creativity going? And I know I have great, I have friends who are both, so, you know, don't, don't send me any hate mail, okay? What I'm saying is that as we walk through, we need each other. We need the diversity of the body. The diversity brings us strength. You know, I grew up in a culture where the predominant music at the time was 80s rock and roll, and hymns. We, there was no Spotify, you know, we, we're all blessed today. There was no Spotify, there's nothing like that. It was 80s rock or hymns, and I enjoyed both. But then I went to college, and even though I studied a little bit of classical music, now I was in a whole room where there were listening rooms with, with, with records and with audio files that I could just go in and listen to, and my, because of that one piece of diversity, my musicianship began to explode as I was exposed to more diverse. Then I started volunteering at a church, playing for a choir that sang predominantly gospel. Do I have any gospel music fans out there? Oh my goodness. And then as I've grown, I came into contact with Fred Hammond and you know, oh, just so many things. And my, my chords started to change and where I started taking the classical training and now I was doing more gospel chords and I was doing gospel vocals and I was doing all these things coming out. And then I fell in love with jazz music, you know, jazz music, I, you know, I, I know God listens to jazz music. It's, it's so incredible and so diverse and so creative. And I began falling in love with jazz. I began studying and just schooling those out. And the, the more diverse I was, the more my musicianship came into the line. I, I, we, my family and I, we went to Jackson, Mississippi to help plant a church for a year. Jackson, Mississippi is often called the center of the gospel universe. And I went down there and everyone around me was playing and I began to make friends with, 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 with people that were just so into gospel music. And we would just hang out and play together. And I would play things and it was also a very, how can I say this? They weren't afraid to tell me when I messed up. Great friends. But a great friend will also say, you play it like this. 
You play it like this, and begin showing me different voicings and polychord, and I'm not going to go down the music analogy too far, but as I sat with them, as I played with them, I had the classical scales, they had the chord knowledge and the moves and the pushes and all of it. My musicianship expanded because the more diversified I was, the more that God brought people from different backgrounds, different cultures, just in that one era of music, I'm a far better musician because of diversity coming in. And this plays out in so many areas, so many areas of our life. Because why? I just, I, I represent the Newfie side of God, okay? <laughs> Do you guys know what, yeah, Newfoundland. You guys know what Newfie is, Newfoundland? That's just one piece made in his image. But when I get together with everyone else, I see all the different, all the different Sizes and shapes and perspectives. As we're surrendered to God, we reflect it. We are so much better together, equal but different. Because see, God hasn't called me to be everything. He's called me to be who he's called me to be. And as I connect, I'm made stronger. And that brings us to our last point today, that we were made to be together. That's the whole purpose of what we're talking about. We are better together. We're equal That's the foundation that we stand on, that when we stand on it, we recognize everyone's equal, everybody. That enables us to have a good relationship together. If we don't have that understanding, we start posturing with one another, right? But when we know we're all equal, then we recognize, but we're different. We're different. And that's a good thing, because we have different gifts, different abilities, different perspectives, different life experiences that the Lord takes and shapes. But here's the part that we often let go of because sometimes we can embrace those two things but we don't recognize that we're made to be together. Because being together is messy. Being together is tough. And the holidays often stress that. They add stress to those things because it's hard for us to embrace those things. Right? Sometimes it's like, you know, unless you agree with everything I say, then get out. (laughs) Stephanie and I would never be married. What marriage lasts like that? That's, a, that's, that's saying everything bows to me. That's saying I'm Caesar, I'm king. There's one king, it's King Jesus. And as we come together, we need to recognize that we were made together because the reason why that's so important is because I know I've used this analogy a lot, but it's the one that's with me all the time, is that I am a better, stronger person because of Stephanie in my life. And I'm not just saying that because I got in trouble yesterday. I'm, I'm not in trouble, right? Okay. <laughs> But I am legitimately a better, stronger, smarter person because of Stephanie. She's equal to me, but she's very different. When I think about Thanksgiving, I think about our first Thanksgiving together. Our first Thanksgiving, now I'm Canadian, right? So Thanksgiving, I wasn't even sure if we got the day off in Canada, okay? So walking it through, I went to her house for Thanksgiving. We weren't married yet. We were engaged. We are walking it through. We're, we're discovering all these things. And my family is very polite. We tend to be very quiet. You know, we come together, and it's very, 
uh, we're a good family, but it does, the, the conversation does not often go super, super deep. One-on-one it will, but in a large group around a dinner table, it tends to kind of stay, you know, how are you, what's happening, and, you know, a joke, things like that. Her family, you get around the table, I mean, they're going deep. They're talking about things. They're digging in, and it's, the conversation is flying. It's exciting. It's awesome. It's incredible, and they're enjoying it, and it's great. At a certain point at the first Thanksgiving dinner, they looked around and they said, where's Dwayne? Dwayne was gone for the last half hour, and I was with my food sitting in front of the TV with her brother watching Star Wars for the first time. (laughs) Now, what was going on there? Somebody who wasn't used to talking at that level with a family, one-on-one, but not with a family, in a family that they talk about everything. What do we have to do? We had to work it out and figure it out, right? Because you say, why aren't you here? I'm like, there's no room for me here. Well, just jump in. I'm like, where do I jump in? (laughs) I'd rather be watching Star Wars with Mark, eating more of those mashed potatoes and sweet potato. I've never had sweet potato in my life. I'll I'll sit quietly next to her introvert brother (laughs) and watch Star Wars for the first time. So my parents and I have talked about that quite a bit. But here's what happened. I became better at conversation. Her family was great at conversation. I became better. But what she will tell you is that they began to make more room for others to jump, jump into the conversation. Do you see what I'm saying? Because both are, both are important, right? I need to jump up. I need to step up. I need to engage. I need to come in and you know, share some of my thoughts in a righteous, good way. But there's also that aspect of making room around your table, which they made room for the, for the, for around that, but... Um, they didn't know how to bring a quiet Canadian into the household. And there's sometimes that I'll say quiet Canadian. They're like, you're a quiet Canadian? I'm like, I was a very quiet Canadian. I was a sit in the back of the room with my sweet potato pie kind of Canadian. But because we're together and because we worked that out, I'm better. I'm stronger. God has taken those gifts. God has used those gifts. God has pulled those out in so many ways. Not that I'm perfect, but I'm better. Because we're better together. See, often one of our biggest frustrations that we have in life is linked to this issue that we're not connected. We're frustrated because we're not connected. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're not connected. You know, as it relates to homelessness. You know, I remember when I came back. I lived in Seattle before. I was gone for seven, eight years. And the Lord brought me back. But I remember when I came back, I'd seen how homelessness had just exploded overnight here in Seattle. And, and so when I first came back, I was, I was working at, at, at a coffee house downtown, and then I was volunteering with a lot of ministries, and I'd leave at four in the morning, come home at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and was just, couldn't be happier. <laughs> couldn't be happier. Loved it. But I began talking to people who poured so much into serving the homelessness issue. And I began to say, how do we, how do we really help? Like, I love feeding, I love clothing, I love coming alongside and praying and making new friends, but, you know, how can we help? You know, we've, we've got to get to the, to the center here. What's, what's, the, what's the big center, the big cause of this as we, as we come in? You know, a lot of people would, would say, well, it's addiction. Addiction causes so many to be homeless, and, and it does. Some would say mental illness and the effects of that, that will, and, and it does. You know, some would say a lack of housing, the housing prices, and, and there's a long list, and, and even this past week I was doing even more and more research, and it's just, it's just this long list of going on, but here's what this person who's devoted their life to serving within this, commu- in this community, a fully devoted follower of Christ said, 
They said the main cause of homelessness is isolation and a lack of healthy community. The main cause of homelessness is isolation and a lack of a healthy community. And so many of these things that we see, whether it's addiction or just increase in mental health, all these things, we're seeing it through COVID, that, that isolating effect to where it magnifies these things. It, it brings these things out. And, and in a healthy community where we are connected with one, one another, I remember like, like someone asked me, you know, is there homelessness in my hometown? Well, oftentimes in small towns, at least where I grew up, there is no homelessness because you know everybody. And then when you know them, you're building relationship and you can bring them in easier or there's someone here or there's a family connection or there's this connection over here or there's things going on or if that person has gotten off the rails and there was one person in my hometown, um, I went home and, and, dad, and my, my father hired somebody and he said, yeah, I, I, I hired a guy in our town who's homeless. I'm like, there's a homeless guy in our, in our town? You know? He said, yeah, there, there's one. And I said, why? He said, well, he's, he continues to drink alcohol, and we keep trying to get him off of alcohol, and we keep putting up boundaries to bring him in, and, and then he breaks those boundaries, and he won't go out because we can't bring him in, a, in the house if he's going to come in drunk because there's a danger to those around him, so we need to have good separation for it. But the entire community was doing this. You need to get off alcohol. How can we help you? Let's pray for you. Let's, let's pull it in. And it was his choice to choose or, or, or to come, come, come out of that. And over the process, last I heard, he's no longer homeless. Because the community surround him. And with their, now, there were checks and balances, right? Because you need to be careful not to set somebody at, at risk. And, and there's things that, that come in that you have to walk in that. But my point in all of this was that as a community surrounds, as we have this, 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 this community, so many of these things come, come, to, come to health in our life because we were made to be together. And as it relates to community, there's no greater community than the body of Christ. Because who's the head of this community? Jesus. Jesus, he's the head. He's in control. He's charged. He's leading us. We need this. We see this in Colossians 1.18. This is why Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because nothing can come against the body of Christ when we're operating, when we're surrendered, and when we're following Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're in charge. You speak to me. You show me. I'm just going to bring that part that I am. If I'm an ear, if I'm a toe, if I'm an eye, whatever it is, I'm going to fulfill my role, the gifts that I have, the things that I have. Our community is starving for it. It's starving for a community that comes together, that works together, that we're not so easily pushed off. And I think it's been one of the big difficulties through this COVID season is we've seen people who have just walked away so quickly and so easily. Not everybody, but there have been some that has just been, there's just been the shopping going on, and, and we've, we've seen that. We've, we've seen that for decades. Whatever church you're going to be at, whatever body of Christ, pick one and then commit to it. Be there. Nothing's going to be perfect. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but together as we come together, we grow in Christ and we do it. That's why I love looking up. I see people who've been here for decades, decades, their entire life. They've raised their kids here and they're still here through the thick and the thin when it's hard, when it's, when it's easy. They're here and they're committed because we want to see God save this neighborhood, a neighborhood that is exponentially growing, a neighborhood that is exponentially changing. And you hear me talking about the changes all the time because we need to see it and we need to embrace it and say, what is my gift? What does that mean? How can I use it? How can I connect? Because the studies are clear. When we are not connected to the body of Christ, we die. We die 
The whole I love Jesus but hate the church is impossible because Jesus died for the church. He built the church. There's work to be done in the church. There's unhealthy things out there to come together. But we need to be connected. I'm committed to that. And we do that through Jesus Christ. And it's tough. It's difficult. I've sat with people. I've cried with people. You know, I've been hurt by people and I've hurt people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of it. And so have you. Anybody here never hurt anybody before? <laughs> we all hurt people. We've all done that. But what do we do as the body of Christ? We say, man, I'm sorry. And when someone says they're sorry, I say, you're forgiven. You're family. I want, I want you here. We need to be together. Because we're equal, but we're different. We're going to rub. But we were made to be together. And if every body of Christ, if every church would embrace that and walk it out, because it gets messy, it gets difficult, and it's, it's tough, but there's nothing like it. That's why Jesus died for it. He said this to Peter, who denied him three times. He said this to Peter, who tried to take it by force, and he said, this is not... This, this is not by force, that we're building this kingdom, Peter. So Peter went back to his old job, and Jesus went to him and said, Peter, you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready, Peter? Are you ready, Peter? That echoes in my heart. Are you ready? There's a work to do. It's messy, and it's hurtful. But we weren't made to be alone. We need each other honest conversations if we need to learn how to have those there's a community that comes to us they they can go to our websites they can listen to sermons and they know already before they come what we believe but they're going are you willing to have a conversation are you willing to have a difficult conversation are you willing to where i can come up and we can have a conversation together and we can still be friends and work this out that's what jesus did even though they called him the they, you know, they, they, they called him a friend of sinners, thinking that was a, a bad name. And it's like, no, that's who we're called to be. They called him a drunk. They called him all these things. Why? Because he's, he went and he pulled in uncompromising. But here's the thing. If we're not coming together regularly, if we're not being filled with the word of God, we'll go out, but we'll never come back. Because we don't have those spiritual disciplines in our lives. We don't have that community. We don't have someone calling us and saying, I haven't seen you for a while. Where are you? We need each other. Men and women who apply themselves like an athlete to the disciplines of God, prayer, reading your Bible, gathering together, having these conversations. So when the opportunity presents itself, we're ready. We are ready. You know, I love that, 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 that quote, that when crisis come, we don't respond, we, we don't rise to the challenge, we respond to our training, <laughs> that the training we've done, we've seen that. I've seen quiet saints their whole life, and then a crisis comes, and it's like something ignites. That's their training. But it happens as we come together, amen? Amen. amen. So as we, here's, here's some questions to ask yourself. And then as we prepare for Thanksgiving week, we're going to take a time just when we can pray together, and the worship team is going to sing this wonderful hymn for the beauty of the earth that talks about Thanksgiving, talks about all those things. 
But before you circle up with those around you to, to pray, if you feel comfortable, if you don't, if, if you don't, don't feel comfortable, uh, don't then, for COVID reasons, then you can pray at a wall or just sit where you are. But ask yourself, am I connected to community? <laughs> am I connected? And if you are, how are you connected? Where's the evidence of that? And if not, ask yourself, what is preventing me from being connected? There's hurdles. But we need to identify them. Ask yourself, do I know what part of the body I am? <laughs> You're like, am I an ear? Am I a hand? Am I a pancreas? What, what, what am I? What part am I? Do I know how I've been created? You know, ask the Lord, what passions has God put inside of you? What things stir you? What things, what things do you want to be developed? Maybe there's a thing, there's an interest. It's like, this can't get away from me, but it needs to be developed. What are those things? And how would the Lord have me use that here? How am I fulfilling my role? And then look around. Who's missing from this community? Who is not here? As we head into a week of Thanksgiving, who do I need to invite to be a part? We've, the body of Christ, we've lost in so many sectors this aspect of inviting people because we get tired of it. We get tired of it. But people are looking to be invited. Invite them to your group. Invite them to your home. Invite them here. Invite. We need to be inviting. If we really believe everything that Jesus said this place was meant to be, we would be inviting. We would be inviting. Lord, speak to us. You made us equal. You made us different. And that all is meant to be together, working together. So help us, Lord. Speak, your servant is listening. Can we pray that together? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Yes, Lord. Grateful praise as we head into this Thanksgiving week. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you've done. And Lord, we also recognize as we look forward that everything that awaits us, you are there waiting for us as we engage, as we surrender, as we open our heart and our mind to you, oh Lord, we trust you. And we walk with you, we pray. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everyone say together. Amen. Amen. This is our benediction. Say this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 